Hello everyone, my name is Michael Torpy and recently I've found that a lot of the conversations I'm having with people in my life are about COVID-19, the coronavirus. Um, and these are conversations I'm having with people that I work with. And it's been a little bit of a change because ordinarily I've enjoyed speaking to my colleagues about everything but work. And obviously we haven't had a pandemic to talk about. Um, and I've found that there's a certain monotony when all you do talk about is the negatives in life and, and your focus is on uh, this pandemic that we're all living. And so to try and alleviate that, I've reflected on some of the people that I work with and what I miss about seeing them day to day. And, and what I miss is having those conversations about anything under the sun, talking about pop culture or, or talking about people's passions and their interests. So with that in mind, I've decided to invite some of my friends to come and join me on a podcast and to talk about the ABCs, anything but coronavirus. We're not going to talk about work. We're going to talk about people's passions. We're going to talk about the things that inspire people, the things that they've grown up with, the things that they miss, the things that they look forward to. And I'd like to really um, thank the people that are going to join me on this podcast and to share something of their lives with me. So I'd now like to welcome Peter Hayes to the podcast. Peter, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Michael. And you? I'm well, thanks. So, Peter, um, this is a little podcast we're putting together just with um, colleagues where we try and break away from talk about work. We don't talk about the coronavirus. So we um, we try and think about some other things that are happening in our lives and, and allow people the chance to tell a little bit of their story, which um, I know many people at our work have already heard some of your story. <laughs> um, but I, I was thinking uh, well firstly welcome thank you I was thinking um before we started the conversation today um about my first year at the college and probably one of the first times I spoke to you and I said that I was going up to Myrtleford um for the weekend for Easter I think and you said oh, I used to live in Myrtleford that's right yes remember that? yes I do remember that and then you said I used to live on Oh, yes, the, the main street. I, I've forgotten yeah, the name I, of it. O'Donnell Avenue. No, I said, yeah, we used to live on O'Donnell Avenue. And you said we used to live in the schoolhouse there. And I said, yeah, I used to live in the schoolhouse there. And you said my father was the uh, primary school principal there. And I said, yeah, my father was the primary school principal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a, a very good connection right from the start, yes. It was, wasn't it? It was, um, I guess, probably thinking back, that kind of um, typifies you, Peter, because you're someone who knows everyone. <laughs> yes, my family always hated we go anywhere and I always managed to see someone we know along the way, so it's good fun. And I guess um, in, the, in the local area, you're a true local, aren't you? Well, I've lived in Sunshine for 20 years now since I've been married. So, and prior to that, I was in Werribee. So, West is definitely best. So. <laughs> yeah. um, so, why? Why is it? Um, what's good about Sunshine? Sell it to me. It's good about Sunshine. It's just got a really good community feel. Um, we're involved with the, um, the kids went through Our Ladies Primary School. They went through Sunshine East Kindergarten. And we're part of the the local parish, so it's just a good community feel, and it's yeah, we're just involved with everyone, and that's how you get to know people. Put yourself out there, and yeah, that all happens. Fantastic. So, <laughs> um, 
Sunshine Werribee. Prior to that, tell us about um, growing up, Peter. Um, well, as, as you already mentioned, my dad was a primary school teacher and um, he moved around for promotions. So we moved around um, quite frequently. We've lived at Apollo Bay, Myrtleford, Violet Town, Batagini, um, different places. The closest year I ever had, in, we lived in Violet Town and um, I was in grade six. Mervyn was in grade five and dad was our the grade five, six teacher and the school principal and our house was in the schoolyard. So that was a really close year for the family. And no, Dad no. always says that's the only way Mervyn made it to grade six, he wrote his grade five report. So that's always been a family joke. So, yes. What was it like moving around from town to town as a, as a young person? Yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. So there's only 11 months difference between Mervyn and I. So when we started in a new place, we'd sort of, hang around together before we met our own friends and we've always played sports so that was a, a good inn in a country place as you know that's a, a really good way to get to know people and that is the social hub of most of many small country towns is just the sporting yeah sporting side to it all and we certainly all played sport mum and dad both played sport and Mervyn and I now our younger brother Gaza all play sport as well so it was good. Yeah, oh, fantastic um, and uh Oh, we'll speak briefly about Mervyn. Okay, yes. No, just because I, I think most people know um, Merv Hughes and, and know your connection to him, but um, how, how has that shaped your life? Right. Well, I, it's been amazing because we, like, he's he's deserved all the success he's got because he's um, he's always worked really hard. It didn't come easily for him. I think he's had some very public um public displays of battles with his weight and so on. But, like, you know, Christmas Day in different times, I can vividly remember him wrapping himself in plastic bags and going for runs trying to get some weight off and get some fitness. But, um, yeah, I... He, that was the inspiration for my travel because when he was playing around um, Australia, someone from the family always tried to be there just in case he, he went really badly or he went well, there was someone to share that with. So... I travelled around Australia watching cricket. I know um, uh, Bernie and Jane will be happy to hear that because they're cricket buffs. But um, also I got to go to the 1989 and 93 Ashes tours, which were fantastic. Were you nervous? Do you get nervous? Do I get nervous? What? Oh, yes. Watching him. Oh, my God. Yes. Sorry? It just froze. What did you say? Sorry? No, nothing. I, I was saying, um, were, you, were you a nervous spectator? Oh, yes, definitely so, because um, especially with the bowler, they, um, you know, if he gets hit for six or, you know, the crowd start jumping into him it's sort of I remember one test I was watching him in Brisbane and Ian uh, was it Ian Botham someone took to him and he had five sixes hit off the one over and the crowd were going berserk and bagging him and and I remember Ian Healy's um, parents were watching as well and they came down and got me and said come and sit with us it's all right and then in the next couple of overs he got a few wickets and redeemed himself but it's always a nervous way but I always thought it's probably easier watching a bowler than a batsman because they only get one chance. Once they're out, that's it. But a bowler can always rein in their figures and get a few wickets. So, yeah, it's good. 
Ah, fantastic. So we'll move away from that, um, Peter, for a, um, well, for a moment. You, you probably get sick of talking about it, do you? No, I love it. it. It was really funny when you said we were going to do a podcast and we are going to talk about sport. I, I said, ah, oh, that's good. And I had some yeah, very happy trips down memory lane, so it was good. <laughs> yes, so keep going. Oh, well, you're welcome to share anything with us. No, I, well, I don't know if um, anyone would be that interested, but uh, no, as I said, I've got some really good opportunities that I wouldn't have had if Mervyn wasn't my brother. But I, um, when we went over to England, got the chance to go into all the hospitality tents because um, there weren't many people, like this is back in 89 and 93, so there weren't as many people travelling then. And, and I was very popular at the time. I didn't really understand until years later when I found out that Wherever I stayed, Mervyn was thanking them with um, with free tickets to the, the test matches. So if anyone's been to their cricket um, stadiums over in England, they're not as big here, so tickets are, are pretty hard to get hold of. So I, I had the opportunity to stay with a lot of Mervyn's different teammates, Victorian teammates, because they were all over playing minor counties. So Mick Demetina and Tony Dottermaid and Jamie Siddons and all those sort of guys looked after me pretty well and Mervyn was looking after them with free tickets to the cricket. So everyone's <laughs> going, Pete, no, come and stay with us. Everyone was thinking I was really popular, but it was just a way for them to get a free ticket to the cricket. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, sorry. Yes, reminiscing, yes. And then I got to Shane, I'll keep name dropping. Then I um, I was invited to Shane Warne's wedding. I got to go to the 1989 grand final between um, Hawthorne and Geelong, which was a fantastic match to watch. And I only got there because once the, um, the cricketers won the, the test series in England, it was the first time they'd won for a long time and everyone was wrapped so um, they were invited by the AFL to be guests at the AFL grand final and each player was allowed to take one person so I was saying to Mervyn oh great I've always wanted to go to a grand final he said I'm taking you yeah that is just daggy taking your sister and Timmy Zira who heard this conversation said Pete my girlfriend's over in West Australia she's not going to come over for the footy you can come with me <laughs> awesome so I got to go to the grand final and, yeah, so Mervyn sat with us anyway, so it didn't matter. It was very funny. <laughs> um, well, speaking of grand finals, you're a mad uh, Bulldog supporter. Woof, 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 yes. But um, ha- all your life or is that since you moved? No, I, I must admit I did back for Collingwood earlier on because um, Dad played a lot of football at Yeroa and he's in their team of the century and they wear black and white. Mum grew up there. She was born there in Yeroa of the Magpies. So Mum and Dad have always followed Collingwood. So we got brought up barracking for Collingwood. But Mervyn used to change. He was like any um, young boy. He always just barracked for whoever was on top of the ladder. So it changed each year. But um, then when we went through, started high school and started attending games because we were, lived in Werribee and, um, and Mervyn was playing cricket at Footscray at that time, we just started going to all the Footscray games. So I think probably from about the age of 16, I've got for the Bulldogs and gone most weekends to all the Melbourne games. So take the kids. So that's a really good family time with them. Yep. Well, I tried to change. I, I grew up Richmond, as you know, and in about 89, I, I tried to change to Hawthorne because um, they were doing quite well at the time. And, <laughs> and my brothers made it very clear to me that I wouldn't be changing to Hawthorne. So, 
89. Well, so then for the next 25 or so years, I had a very miserable uh, <laughs> the, the recent success makes it all worthwhile. And well, that's I'm, the same I'm with... glad now, but um, and gee, yeah. Mike, you're having a very different Richmond experience to where oh, I yes. Uh, I, you know, um, I don't think they've seen them lose going to a game live. And um, yeah, no, that is because I remember our kids always used to say, "Why did you make it?" So I said, "We didn't make you vote for Footscray. It was if you wanted to be fed, you you vote for Footscray. But other than that, we didn't make you." But they, um, yeah, but we certainly enjoy going, and they didn't have much success, but until 2016, of course. So that was awesome. I think that makes it better, though. I think if if you your team has success all your life, then you don't really appreciate it. You sort of have to go through some of the struggle and the hard time, don't you? So you oh, actually... that's right. I've got some very arrogant um, friends who vote for teams that have won multiple premierships and say, oh, yeah, we'll give you your one, now that's it. So but I said, no, it's two. I was just fortunate enough to see one, not quite old enough to see the other one. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, so we started off talking about the... Um, the fact that we both lived in, I think it was the same house or the house next door to each no, other. I think you lived, you said you didn't live in the primary school one because the one next door was um, the high school principal and it was bigger. But my yeah. my mates were um, the daughters in that family. So I've been, so it's funny to me, I've been in the house where you live. So. Does that happen a lot with you, Peter, the, um, the six degrees of separation? Yeah. Or the, the, the strange sort of coincidences? That's unreal, isn't it? I've had yeah, I've had some funny things happen over the years with just different people and connecting, yeah, just through different other mutual friends and so on. Well, I, I think um, my best example of that, and, and people don't believe it when I say it. When I was, uh, I used to work at a supermarket in Kew, and a couple came in and I heard their Scottish accent, so I thought oh, I'll say hello to them. Um, because I'd just been to Scotland to visit my sister in this little town called Linlithgow, and um, I was a bit bored at work. I heard the Scottish accent, so I said, "Oh, hi, how are you going? You know, you're from Scotland." And they said, "Yes, yeah." And I said, "Oh, we used to." Um, my sister lives there. Um, she's uh, in a little town called Linlithgow, and they said, "Oh, we were in Linlithgow two weeks ago at a wedding." Oh. <laughs> this is not called Anna, is she? And I said, "Yeah, yeah, she is." <laughs> Two weeks, well, it gets better. So two weeks earlier, they'd been speaking to my sister in Scotland, came over. I happened to hear their accent and happened to, to be working at the time and say hello. But at the same time, I was also working, so that was in queue. I was also working at a garden supply centre in um, over in Burwood. So just doing a bit of weekend work while I was at uni. So I was over there doing a shift and uh, guess who walked through the door? But that's <laughs> on the other side of town. That's the people came in and... Uh, I said, oh, how are you going? <laughs> and um, and uh, so that's coincidence and then followed by coincidence. And then the, oh next, my gosh. the next weekend I went back to the supermarket in queue and was doing the shift and my boss came up to me and he said, oh, I was going for a run the other day and I, I slowed down, which I don't normally do, and started talking to this man next to me and he was a Scottish guy. And every word of that is true, but what are the chances of that? That's that um, is unreal. That is amazing. Yeah, That's very yeah. funny. Um, it's amazing how how the world works, and I think you probably um, would have a lot of people that know you or that talk about knowing you, and and I certainly get asked about you a lot. <laughs> Don't know if that's true, but anyway, yes. <laughs> well, it is. But people that people that are connected to the college, um, 
often ask about you and, and check in and see how you're going because I think you do go out of your way to um, to meet people and to make people feel welcome. And um, you're obviously a very confident person. Not at all. <laughs> you present that way. So I remember, as I don't know if many people know, but John's the youngest of 11 in the family. And um, when I first started going out with him, I went to his family always used to gather on a Friday night and I went to the back door one night and I've gone, oh, my God, I just can't go in. I can't walk in there. There's about 50 or 60 people there and it was all just family and I go, oh, my God, what am I doing? So I just walked in and went, no, nah, you have to do this. And I went, oh, you know, met everyone and uh, it's good and I, I love it and it's been it's been amazing to be part of such a big family. So, yeah. Fantastic. All right, Peter, thank you for joining us today. No worries. I could just talk for hours, Michael, as you know. <laughs> so if you need any more material, just please let me know. <laughs> no, I will. I, I certainly will. It's been really good, Peter, and it's been great um, just to spend 15 minutes or so talking about something else and, and thinking about sport and thinking about connections with the community and, and travelling around and all the things that maybe we can't do at the moment. So Exactly. I'm really appreciate you sharing that with us. All right. Thank you for your time. Take care. See ya. Look after yourself. <laughs> so joining me now is Michael Serco. And uh, Michael, you're a, a man who wears many hats. Um, so welcome today to the podcast where you know the rules are that we don't talk about coronavirus and we don't talk about anything to do with work. We're having a, a break from all of that. Um, but we're delving into people's lives outside of the college. And um, uh, firstly, welcome. Thank you. Good morning and thanks for joining us. Uh, I'd like to start with you, um, perhaps with a few things that people might not know about you. And, and the first one is uh, the book. Okay. So you're a published author? Um, yeah, of a pretty lame children's book, actually, called Aussie Santa. Um, Santa's travelling home after having delivered, <clears throat> excuse me, the gifts and... Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, um, has a cold, so he doesn't hear Santa's directions very clearly. And instead of going to the North Pole, goes to Walpole, which is in the <laughs> southwest of WA. And they're all pretty tired. They have a rest there, and Santa Claus gets fit, and there's there's a few things in there. I, I like the story, but it's really poorly written. So where'd the idea for the story come from? I actually took my son uh, down to Walpole in the south, uh, in southwest of WA when we lived in WA, and he, he misheard me and thought it was North Pole. So we came up with the story at that at that time. It's funny, isn't it, how those those little moments with your kids um, sort of uh, stick with you or or make you think about things in a different way. We um, the first time we went on a trip with uh, we just had one son then Flynn and uh, we went up to Noosa. And uh, we were flying back and we gave him a, a, like a biscuit to eat for his ears so his ears would pop. And we said to him, oh, you know, here's this, this will help you with your ears. And then we looked across at him and he was just holding the biscuit onto his ear <laughs> as we took off. So just sitting there rubbing a biscuit up against his ear thinking that might help. I love that. <laughs> so, so what's the process of writing the book? I self-published. It was um, – and – I, I just had the story, put it together. I found an uh, I found a self-publishing company, and I found an illustrator, and 
put it together and it didn't work. My next book, um, I've written another book. Oh, uh, I didn't know about this one. Yeah, this is the this is the grown ups one. Still it's, about Santa or no, not a, not about Santa. It's a morality tale actually. Seven friends, um, their lives sort of go to um, go go bad all at the same time, and they're all uh, guys that play volleyball together. Because I'm an ex volleyballer, uh, I used to play pretty high level volleyball back. Oh right. Um, obviously not anymore. I look more like a volleyball. <laughs> so there's the seven volleyball players, volleyball players, volleyballers, volleyballers. Yeah. Yep. And, oh, but they're, they're actually professional guys and they rob a bank and they get away with it, but, uh, their lives get much worse at the end of it. Fantastic. So how have you finished writing that one or are you still working on it? Look, I did write it and I did send it off for publishers, got knocked back by a few or by nearly all of them. But uh, I did get offered uh, by a publishing company in the UK. Uh, however, they, I had to have to, I'd have to put some money into it. So I think they call them um, ego publishers where they, they want people to put money into it. Uh, but they, they did call me like about six times from the UK and I had half hour conversations so they're pretty keen, but, and I was writing it as a guerrilla novel. I've decided, um, I'm calling it a guerrilla novel. I'm coining that phrase, <laughs> something that's meant to be read in a weekend, like, like a guerrilla fighter. Right. Not, as in G-U-E-R, not G-O-R. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. So, um, why is it important for you to write? Uh, it's important to do different things. It's important important to experience life life's an adventure like last year i took up fencing and i i, I did fencing uh the year before oh, I took, just um what you just called a few local farmers and <laughs> offered your services yeah I, well, I actually went to uh one a really um average football club uh or average in their culture the, the type who punches people in the stomach for for no good reason and did some fencing over there. So I actually beat a kid, a uh, 17 year old kid. So he's a third of my age at the time and I beat him. So and this is obviously fencing with the sword. Um, no, it's the sword fighting. Now no, it's not a rapier, rapier. What, what are the, what's the name of the sword? Uh, Epi, Sabre and Foil. Foil. Um, and so is fencing big in Melbourne? No. But who doesn't want to try sword fighting? It, it was great fun. Yeah. No, it sounds good. It's, um, one I did was does cool. it keep you fit? Is it, a, is it physically taxing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I didn't do much of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're being hard on yourself. Um, so you, you mentioned taking chances um, just just now. Um, yeah. and I think you've, you've told me in the past... Uh, about some other chances you've taken. Um, who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah, yeah, I did well in that. Tell us about that. Good question. I was the sixth person in line. Uh, this is 2013, my first year in Melbourne. Uh, I was pretty broke at the time because I'm a foul businessman a couple of times over. Uh, that's, that's part of the adventure. And I just, I got lucky. I hung out with a guy uh, the guy from my show, because they filmed six shows, six shows, I think it was, a day, 
and you, you're in the uh, the waiting room and there's one guy I hung out with and he got lots of questions correct. Or we we, used, we were getting lots of questions correct in the in the pre uh, the pre show. Yep. And then during the show, he got a whole run of questions correct, and he he bombed out. And then a girl had a go and she missed out. I went up and had one question. And um, and I I actually used a technique that I used at school where I teach the students to cover up the answers of the multiple choice questions because distractors are designed to distract you. Yeah. So you can't answer a question without it. So I actually had my hands in front of the screen, leaning forward, reading it. And then I sat back because the, uh, when it comes up, it comes up just the question. And I sat back and, and Eddie put me on the spot and said, um, you know what the answer is, don't you? And I said, I said, I think I do. Yeah. And uh, I gave what I thought was the answer. And A wasn't it. Or they then showed up the answers and A was incorrect. B so you gave the answer before they showed the options? Yeah. Right. And it wasn't, it was D. So it <laughs> up. So by that time, I was sweating bullets. And What was the question? Who was the co-creator of Get Smart with Buck Henry? And uh, the options? I don't remember, but it was Mel Brooks. I know Dom DeLuise. Oh, yes, yeah. I knew it was Mel Brooks. And um, Get Smart, he went on to be Inspector Gadget, didn't he? He did. Well, Adam's a very funny man. Yeah. A great show, wasn't it? And he also had a... Because um, it's now become one of my favourite shows. I won 50K from it. Not, <laughs> not that I didn't enjoy it before. Eddie and I, we were riffing about some of the characters there, about... Jaime and Starker and uh, uh, 99 and Chief and yep. Laramie. Um, but we, um, I, Don Adams, the, uh, the, the star of Get Smart, he took a pretty low pay for it, but did take um, royalties. Right. So he, he ended up getting quite rich out of that. Doing quite well out of it. It's mm. one of those shows, uh, and I think maybe TV's, or maybe I'm wrong, but TV's probably changed a bit that, there were basically there were two or three jokes, weren't there? Yeah. Um, would you believe and and that sort of yeah. thing, and um, you know the the foils and the shoe phone, and and you know what's going to happen in each episode, and and you can pick the joke before it comes. But I don't know if that happens as much anymore. Yeah, it gives kind of a comfort to to people, I think, hmm. to, to know that follows that type of formula. Like in The Simpsons, you don't always get. That. <laughs> What's your favourite episode of The Simpsons? Well, it's got a Spanish name, but the Spanish name, tra the Spanish name translates to the mysterious voyage of Homer, where he uh, it's the chili cook-off and he eats the Guatemalan chili. <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, he has a psychotic adventure. Yeah, I know, and it's beautifully shot. That isn't it? It's um, yeah. when he goes off into the desert, and it's uh, for yeah. a cartoon to do that is amazing. The coyote. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when I was um, I was thinking about the Simpsons uh, earlier, and I used to tape it every night on VHS. So it's on Channel Ten. So I'd put the tape in and press play, record, and pause out the ads, and. Um, I ended up. I think. I think I got up to thirty-two VHS tapes, sort of all lined up in our lounge room there. And I was thinking, kids, it's something kids don't do anymore. 
um, you know, you don't have to do that because now it's just on Disney Plus and you can see all 30 seasons at the push of a button. So my son actually uh, doesn't watch much TV. He'll um, he just watches YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and everything's just there and accessible. So I don't know. It's one of those things that I don't know if you'd want to go back to it, but um, it, was, it makes something a bit special and yeah, um, you connect perhaps with it a little bit more by doing that. I remember as a young kid in WA, we um, during the winter time, Sunday at five o'clock, we'd have to watch Countdown on Channel Two. Mm. Countdown, and then straight after that at six o'clock was the winners. It was the um, the footy, it was the footy, the VFL footy, and and that was all that we had for football apart from our local league, the Waffle League. But um, yeah, just to have that taste of the VFL, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was must must viewing at the time. So we used to all huddle around the TV, black and white initially. <laughs> and you know the best show that that uh, when Colour TV came out, the best show to watch. What do you reckon? Oh well, no, there's me straight. Oh right, all the wild colours. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, <clears throat> taking chances, Michael. Yeah, um, and look, look, I just hit on the other sport that I tried was curling, the one on the ice. But that's, but that's uh, by the by. Taking chances. Um, I'll give you and something I want to impart on young people as well is life's an adventure. My son, who is a fantastic kid, uh, I call him a kid. He's twenty. He turned twenty in the holidays, 9th of July. On the seventh of July. He said to me, he said, you know what? I'm doing uni online. I may as well um, go to France. Stay with mum. His mum lives in France. Yep. And so he um, he decided to go. The next day he went. Wow. And, you know, we, we were talking, this is like in the movies where, where you see people say well, they're going to fly somewhere and then they, they go the next day. He's yeah. over there now. We we chat every night on um, Messenger, or every second night now. Yep, on Messenger. But um, and oh, I'm missing like crazy. Yeah, you must, and and I know you're close to him, and sort of must be difficult for you for him to go, but also um, for him to be able to make that decision and then do it um, straight away is obviously because he's been raised with confidence and um, been taught. Uh, by you to take these chances in life, um, which yeah. obviously is something you think is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so with that in mind, what's still to do? Oh, eventually, I want to create my own charity. Right. But uh, that's what I'll do. When I, when I win lotto or my wife wins lotto, <laughs> or, or even, even just one day, um, and this charity won't, won't feed it won't actually be a traditional charity um it's actually going to feed into other charities because uh that's just what i want to devote my my time to fantastic i i I think outside the box you you probably saw that uh that online book that i I sent you the link yeah you can give that a little plug if you like and tell us about that so it's circobooks.com yeah look at and again that's something that didn't it didn't really work very well but the idea was um, I wrote a chapter uh, and again, I'm, I'm not a great writer. I've, I've got good ideas and good stories, but I don't think I impart them that well. Um, 
But I, I read you write the first chapter of the book. Write the first chapter of the book, and then it's free online for people. People then write in their idea for a second chapter, and I choose two of them, and then uh, we create two pathways. So they write the chapter or they, they give you the idea and you write the chapter? They give me the idea and I choose the two and then they write their chapter. Ah, oh, fantastic. And then we upload that and then uh, and then they get to choose the next two chapters. So it starts with one book and then it breaks into two and then those two break into four and uh, ends up with seven chapters and ends up with uh, 64 books from one original chapter. All different stories, and we and like it's exciting because I don't know where it's going to go. And I guess the final product is, uh, I guess, the choose your own adventure story for the reader. They can sort of that was exactly the way that they want. Yeah, fantastic. So, circobooks.com.au or .com? Just .com, I think. I look, I, I haven't even looked at it for a long time because I I, I tried to send out um, invitations to writing schools around the world. English-speaking ones, I've got no replies. <laughs> so I've even forgotten how to log into that email address. So it's something I'll look at at some stage. But oh, Fantastic. Oh, well, I wish you well. Um, Michael, thanks for joining us for a, a short chat today and um, great to hear about all the different things you've been up to and, and looking forward to hearing more to come in the future. Not all, there's lots more. <laughs> Excellent. Cheers, buddy. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the ABC podcast. My special thanks to Peter Hayes and Michael Serco for some great conversation and also to Thomas Flatman, who's engineered the podcast. Again, I'd look forward to chatting with anyone about anything, as long as it's nothing to do with the pandemic or with work. So feel free to drop me an email if you'd like to participate. Thanks for listening and stay well.